Welcome everyone to the webinar EU Strategy on Voluntary Return and Reintegration, Switching Perspective. My name is Camila Kuz and I am a Policy Analyst at MPI in MPI Europe. First, a housekeeping note. So if you have any technical problem, please email events at migrationpolicy.org or call 202-266-1929. We will have a Q&A at the end of the call. There will not be a voice Q&A. And please type any question into the Q&A box or email events at migrationpolicy.org. This webinar marks the release of a new policy brief that I authored, EU Strategy on Voluntary Region and Reintegration, Crafting a Roadmap to better cooperation with migrants countries of origin and it goes along a related commentary on this same topic that can be found on our website migrationpolicy.org. Return has been high on the European agenda for many years with policymakers concerned about low return rates and the implication for the credibility of the broader migration and asylum system. For many of these EU actors Increasing the number of return has been a top priority, as well as building a common EU return system to better coordinate internally and externally on how return and reintegration are conducted. These objectives were reflected in the new pact on migration and asylum that was released by the Commission, the European Commission in September 2020. Last month, the Commission released its first EU strategy on voluntary return and reintegration with the goal of increasing the number of voluntary returns but with other objective, to conduct return in a more dignified way, to provide quality reintegration assistance for returning once they go home, and to improve cooperation with partner countries. To do so, the strategy outlines a series of principles, better counseling of migrants in Europe so that they are aware of the op option available to them, better coordination between EU member states, improving the quality of the support to reintegration, and fostering the ownership of partner country in this area. This dimension of the engagement of countries of origin has long been a blind spot of the discussion on voluntary return and reintegration, because this cooperation has sometimes been considered as nice to have or, or too complicated to secure. Whereas it is critical to make sure that voluntary return takes place swiftly and that reintegration activities are tailored to the needs of the returnees, but also connect them with the services available at home. Finally, this effort needs to be connected with broader development efforts in the community migrants are returning to. But how to make this cooperation between EU countries and countries of origin is, is complicated, like how to make it concrete, um, that's not an easy task and it raises many questions. What are the areas where you know, the interests of European countries and origin countries converge, how to concretely work together and how to organize the delivery of assistance to returnee and how to mitigate potential tension with, with communities of origin. To discuss this topic, we have four panelists who represent a diversity of perspective, countries and organization, and have all given thoughts to, uh, to this question. Mauro Gagliardi, who's the deputy head of Irregular Migration Policy and Return Unit at the Directorate General for Migration and Home Affairs at the European Commission. Sandro Sebastian, who's senior policy officer at the Return and Reintegration Division at the German Federal Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development, BMZ. Shaiful Islam Hassan, who is program head of migration at BRAC in Bangladesh. And finally, Ali Belash, who is researcher and teacher at the National Institute for Labor and Social Studies in, in Tunisia. And I'll first turn to our speaker from the European Commission. 
Um, Mr. Gagliardi works at DG Home and he's played a key role in the development of this new EU strategy. Um, Mr. Gagliardi, from, from your perspective, um, can you tell us why is fostering the ownership of partner countries, as is mentioned in the strategy, so important? Um, how does that relate to your broader objective under the pact on return, but also on the external dimension? Thank you, Camille, and thank you to MPI for organizing this webinar, which is very timely, um, considering our publication of the strategy on voluntary return and reintegration, and uh, thanks for the very brief but substantive presentation of the strategy. So if you allow me just to say two words before replying uh, to your question in relation to what we presented less than a month uh, ago. So you, you should understand that the strategy is just one of the uh, chain of initiatives that we need to set up within the EU in order to establish a solid common asylum and migration system that, as you said, is presented in the pact. So the EU migration policy also relies on the capacity to return effectively uh, migrants who are not allowed to stay in the EU for some reason and protecting their rights. This is very important because only if we are able as EU, as European Union to do that, we can also offer asylum and protection to those who are fleeing war and who are in need of protection, but we can also enhance legal pathways and opportunities for legal migration for people coming from partner countries. So this is something that is extremely important for us as a policy, as a comprehensive policy perspective. So the strategy aims at making overall migration policy more effective, as you said, with effectiveness of return, but with more quality return making reintegration programs also of better quality so that they can have a greater impact uh, on the individuals, but also on the partner country. So we are expanding what we call the equation of the three R's, return, readmission, and reintegration, which becomes more substantially part of this element. And of course, replying to the last part of your question already, these activities on voluntary return and reintegration are also part of our international and mutually beneficial partnerships on migration that we are aiming at establishing with key countries of origin and country. So they are part of our overall dialogue with them. So <clears throat> the strategy recognizes that for return to be sustainable, much depends on whether the person has a real prospect to be successfully reinserted in the country of origin. And this is where actually the answer to your question about ownership actually lies. It is in sustainability from our perspective. Sustainable reintegration is about support to individual returnees for their economic, social, and psychological reintegration in the community, but also a reintegration opportunity for the local community and the local development. It implies continuity to be sustainable, it, to be continued over time. But we observe that right now, this continuity and sustainability may be weakened by a purely project-based approach. Uh, and therefore, um, on the long term, due to the, the limited lifespan, the availability of resources, or the fragmentation of the interaction between donors and between recipients may make them less sustainable. 
So we want to improve that. And to, in order to improve that, we need the ownership of this process by the partner countries. So they must be able to reintegrate their own citizens. This strong ownership will help us, but the partner countries in particular, better use and absorb the support that we can provide. But also, this is very important, better target and respond to the actual needs of the individual and of the host communities, because they are best placed to know how to create economic and social prospects for their nationals. And to conclude on this question, also can help partner countries and the EU to have a better cooperation overall on return and readmission, because reintegration is a positive element of our migration dialogue on return and readmission. And we need to improve that for the good uh, sake of both parties. Thank you. And could you say a few words on, on how concretely the European Commission and its partner are going to increase this engagement with, with partner country, be they government, civil society partners? Um, what does that look like? And who should be involved in this effort um, on the EU side and on the side of these partner countries? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Camille. Uh, as I said, there is a political dimension, dimension in the engagement of reintegration and the strategy tries to set a comprehensive and coherent approach uh, where reintegration is part of the overall dialogue with partner countries. But of course, there is the operational dimension of this engagement with partner countries where the EU in such engagement cannot impose the ownership. It, it is not possible. We need to build this ownership together. Therefore, to build this ownership together and support our partners, we need to promote the gradual increase of the reintegration process through, I don't know, EU-funded capacity building, training, peer-to-peer -peer activities and exchanges. But to start with, we need that the existing structures in partner countries, of course, not all of them, but in, in several of them, need to be reinforced so that they can be used for referral to reintegration. And also, of course, the personnel, the staff can be trained in order to ensure appropriate and efficient referral. That goes together as well with the efforts of civil societies that are active in that context in partner countries, but also in the EU. What is very important, and the strategy insists a lot on, on that, is uh, the need to ensure coordination, cooperation, and avoid duplication and parallel systems, because this dilutes not only the ownership, but even more importantly, the effectiveness of the efforts that we want to do. In addition, we want to support partner countries in developing policy and operational frameworks. We are talking about national strategies, standard operating procedures that encompass reintegration, readmission, and return as well. So we want to, to have a wide angle in our activity. And we need also to improve together with the partner countries, reception and orientation of returnees. And what, for instance, we have in mind as good examples that we have also presented in our strategy are these one-stop shop desks that can facilitate access to public services and coordinate referrals to other projects, for instance, in the area of development. 
Moving to the second part of your question about the actors. Of course, uh, for, for within the EU or from, from the EU side, the coordination role will be uh, played in particular by the Commission, but together with EU delegations, uh, so the representations of the EU in partner countries, as well as the representations of the EU member states in partner countries. But there is an active role uh, and experience also of EU governments that have very uh, good uh, practices in successful government-to-government -government cooperation, for instance, facilitated by networks like the European Return and uh, Reintegration Network, ERIN, but also by ICMPD in countries like Armenia and the Gambia. Or on our side, also Frontex, uh, that under its reinforced mandate is more active on return, where it can facilitate dissemination of good practices and act as a facilitator to build uh, capacity and projects uh, in third in partner countries and to conclude in the partner countries of course we see a very important role of the local national authorities but we also see a role for regional authorities in the planning uh, and not only in implementation, but also in the planning of reintegration programs. So they can be aligned with the needs, but as I already said, also with other development strategies and projects that are ongoing. I will close it here and I remain available for later. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mauro, um, for these comprehensive remarks on the rationale of the Commission uh, for this new strategy. And this thought specifically on, you know, how to build on the experience of, um, of actors, including EU member states, um, which lead me to, to then my, the second speaker. So I'll, I'll now turn to Sandra Sebastian, who is a senior policy officer um, at BMZ with a wealth of experience on the linkages between development assistance and reintegration. Um, Ms. Sebastian, so the EU strategy talks about fostering this ownership of partner countries on voluntary region and reintegration. Um, this is an area where Germany has been active in, in the past years. Could you tell us a bit more about, you know, your approach to voluntary return and reintegration? Sure, thank you. Thank you, Camille. Also to you and your team at MPI for um, creating this important space and um, using the momentum to discuss the new EU strategy. I'm very glad to be on the panel because um, for us, the strategy is um, really important. We see it as a key um, factor to strengthen, strengthen cooperation between EU member states, but also to um, foster ownership of um, partner countries, as my colleague from the European Commission has already said. And um, we are very excited to see the strategy operationalized soon. And of course, um, we stand ready to support the further processes with our experience. So as you already said, we um, I come from the BMZ and we have um, set up a program we call Returning to New Opportunities. It's um, a program that supports returnees in their reintegration efforts. And um, in order to achieve a sustainable reintegration, um, we strongly believe in a development-oriented approach. Why? Because um, we think that um, return and reintegration can be a driver for local development, two, 
we um, see the need and try to cater to the need of um, individual support to the returnee, but also um, structural support to our partner countries. And third, we work according to the do no harm approach, which means that our program is um, open to returnees from Germany, of course, other EU member states, third countries, IDPs, and also um, the local that never migrated. So um, how do we work concretely if we turn from this um, big um, beneficiary group to the returnee from Germany? Um, our return process already starts in Germany with pre-departure qualification that um, aims to prepare a potential returnee for a new start in their countries of origin. There's no obligation to return if you partake in such a class, but we've seen up to 50% of the participants um, chose to return after they took the qualification measures. And um, on the ground, our program returning to new opportunities once in currently 12 partner countries, so-called advice centers for jobs, migration and reintegration. And during their qualification in Germany, the potential returnees are already in touch with these centers on the ground to get um, an S objective um, idea of their perspectives upon their return. And after their return, the centers support the returnees in finding a job or starting a business, in finding housing, and um, which is a point we always stress, the returnees can also opt for psychosocial support. And as the name implies, these advice centers for jobs, migration, and reintegration um, that are open to anyone. They also counsel on options, options how to regularly migrate to Germany and um, also on the risks that might come with the decision to irregu irregularly um, migrate to Germany. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. And what, what have been some of the challenges and the lessons you've you've drawn from your work in, in the past years? And most specifically, you know, you're working with partners in countries of origin. Um, what does it take to build this relationship to identify areas of, of common interest with these actors? I um, thought about this for a while and I think um, I wanted to share two lessons learned today. The first one would be that um, a development-oriented approach towards return and reintegration is not nice to have, but of utmost importance, because um, we all know that a domestic lens on migration is crucial. But um, yesterday, our Minister Muller spoke. Um, there's a German commission on um, How is it called? Mitigating the root causes of displacement. And they've released their report yesterday. And our minister rightly said high fences don't solve problems. So um, people, we believe that people do not always choose to migrate, but um, they need to for a reason. And we need to tackle these reasons. And only by taking into account the de developmental aspects can we really succeed in sustainable reintegration? 
So um, making a long story short, this is why we and the German Interior Ministry are um, working closely together and we are implementing a whole of government approach and we are following a joint action plan on voluntary return and reintegration to ensure coherence within the German government. And um, the second point why we believe that um, development orientation is crucial is, and my colleague already said this, in our program we closely intertwined the program with already existing German development cooperation. So um, this kind of kept us from reinventing the wheel. For example, you can open an already existing program for job creation to returnees from Germany, let's say. And then um, you don't have to come up with something completely new. And um, the second lesson learned I wanted to share today is that partnering with countries of origin is not a factor, but the factor for sustainable reintegration. This is um, a really important lesson learned we drew from the early stages of the program because if the partner country is not on board, the program is bound to fail. So um, every country has different takes on return and reintegration and um, economic fears, domestic constraints might play into that. So um, we always tried to create win-win situations um, by aligning the project objectives with the interests and specific objectives of the partner country. Um, not always an easy process, but um, we followed this strictly because, as my colleague also said, this is a precondition for ownership of the partner country. And um, eventually, this can also lead to a handover to local authorities of the structure we've created in the specific countries. So um, this is important, and it's also very important to um, have the local communities on board in addition to the partner governments. Um, and as for the challenges, my colleague has talked about the three R. I wanted to add the three C, which is complementarity, cooperation, and coherence. It sounds very easy, but there's always space for improvement on the three C. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do, do you want to add anything? Um, maybe we have some more time for a discussion if you have specific questions then. Sure. Well, thank you very much. And I, I, I think you made two important points. Um, the one on you know, understanding the perspective of the partner country and the fact that this is a process, this takes time. Um, and avoiding, you know, reinventing the wheel. I think um, you've had some experience with this program, and, and there are some lessons that can be that can be drawn from this experience. Um, it is now my pleasure to introduce Sheriful Islam Hassan, who's from BRAC, um, an organization that's done a lot of work to assist with the reintegration process of returnees in Bangladesh, providing them with various forms of support um, and working closely with with EU member states on this project. Um, Sheriful, could you tell us a bit about the challenge of the, you know, that Ray Truni faced to reintegrate in Bangladesh, both the one who are coming back from Europe and have access to reintegration assistance, 
um, but also the, the one who come back from other region um, and often don't have access to this type of, of support. Uh, thanks a lot, Camille. Thanks a lot for organizing these uh, initiatives. And uh, I also thank for your studies on voluntary return and reintegration issues. So I am looking this whole migration perspective for last 20 years, last 15 years as a journalist who covered this trafficking and migration solely to see the European country and last five years as the head of migration in BRAC, the largest non-government organization in Bangladesh. We are really working for, for the reintegration of migrants, not only you at the same time, no one you. So we have given uh, 17,000 people's emergency support in Dhaka International Airport and almost 2,000 returnees from EU, we are working for their sustainable reintegration and nearly 10,000 uh, non-EU returnees. So I really love the word what Mauro says that the ownership, that's a very much important. I am saying this word for last at least 10 years, that it never should be a donor funded things. The country itself should own this, it's my citizen, it's our citizen. And we are in this discussion whenever in last night, uh, almost 55 people uh, tried to enter Europe. And uh, almost 2 million people have tried to enter Europe for the last five to six years. So most of the times from Bangladeshi or African citizens. So uh, before going to challenge that, to understand the prospect of Bangladesh, 10 million Bangladeshis are working abroad. It is one of the top 10 countries in the world where people have a dream that if somehow I can go to Europe, all my problems will be solved. And they know, yes, the people who already have passed, they see that the changes. Most of the people see there are many people who went to Europe, all of the things have been positive. So people have a belief that if somehow I can go to Europe or abroad, all my problems will be solved. So this myth really created a lot of problems. In terms of reintegrations, if uh, I say this, the problem first of the thing that most of the time from mass people to governments like a country in Bangladesh, we always think that people will go, they never will come back. So return and reintegration is a part of migration most of the time is for good. So that's why we don't have policy on reintegration. We don't have any database of migrants. Uh, we don't know how to deal with so that's why the BRACs governments and all the organizations think there is the BRACs duty. So most of the times uh, we try to do it and we have developed our own, own model that how to support it. We are never uh, just uh, looking the donors projects that this is the things you need to do. So what we need and what the comprehensive whole support that people need. Whenever it comes to airport, he may need food, he may need shelter. Then we have really developed a reintegration map that there is psychosocial counseling, then economic reintegration. Another is most of the time we miss that social reintegration. If the family members or if the other community members don't accept him, if they blame that uh, you have uh, come from Europe, why did you come? Did you do a crime? Then really make a problem. So I think that the social reintegration, we should also mention it that when we develop the whole reintegration packages. And the people of awareness, I think this is another important. There are some districts in Bangladesh that wherever you will find them, there is a village whose name is Italipara. That's the village of Italy. Why? Most of the people from that districts are in Italy. So people, school students on that area, they believe that if I can go to Italy, all my problems will solve. And it starts from school. And we have find, we have done research and we have found that most of the returnees, that age is from 31 to 40. The age of youth age, they believe that now my time is to invest on my business. And I am discussing with EU countries for most of the times. Most of the times you think that is the problem of EU, not at all. And that's why you here on the reintegration first place problem, they are very much limited 
only people from EU returnees. So they think that it's our duty that is EU funding will also deal the EU returnees people or EU migrants people. But we have found many returnees who were in Middle East countries. As you know, 10 million Bangladeshis are working abroad. There are many one in Oman, many one in Dubai who have failed in migration. Then the traffickers or middlemen ask them, you are failing Middle East, you can go to Europe. So let's go to Turkey, let's go to Greece. And we found many, many of the returnees who are doing these things. So I will request all of you, never think that it's the EU problem. Whenever you discuss this, it's the problem of migration, both you and both you non-EU. So whenever we will discuss on the migration issues, please cover all of those things. And I will say there is a lot of gap between understanding the whole issues from government to CSOs and uh, as we don't have any database that who are coming into know, and we have found most of the returnees wherever coming, they are not even aware. Whenever they come to the airport, they blame to the EU countries. So that's why we are thinking that, however, we can even work uh, before they're coming. If I can talk with them that what is the benefit if you return voluntarily, because you have to come back. So if you come voluntarily, this is the things you can get it. And another thing that never said that Europe is closed. Whether we should use these people who have seen the death in their journey. Yes, I have seen these faces. So if they come, so now we're using the migrants people, their success story, their journey to the normal people. Whenever they say to the people, it's really become believable. And uh, if you see the challenges, I think that the government's duty bearers, the mass people to everyone, none of them are prepared for reintegrations and even the returnees, it is unbelievable. So it's really a challenging thing, but I think there's a lot of solution on this ground. Thank you. I, I just had one follow up question on, on a point you mentioned on um, the role of government. So Brack, you're a civil society organization. Um, could you tell us a bit more about your engagement with, you know, with the government of Bangladesh, uh, working with them on developing a policy framework on region and reintegration um, in, in Bangladesh? Kevin, thank you. That's another good point you have mentioned in Bangladesh as uh, BRAC has access in everywhere in Bangladesh, every rural part. So the last 50 years of Bangladesh uh, development and BRAC development in same parallel way. So we really closely work with very much government. So we are really sharing our model to government that why a reintegration policy is needed, why a database is related. And during COVID time, for the first time, so in half millions of migrants returned from Middle East countries and others, then government understand the need that why reintegration is needed. Now government have uh, declared a package that they have money, but they don't know how to deal it. Now government has requested us that how we can help them to identify migrants, to share the database, to see the policies. So we are really closely working from central government to grassroots level. Suppose in a district in grassroots, there is a many department in government department, in administration, in social service department, agriculture department. So we have formed a district coordination committee from where all the government officials are there. So we are engaging themselves on their reintegration so that they have this ownership. We are engaging our uh, uh, local governments people who are still elected as the local representative like chairman or village chairman. We are engaging them so that they understand that it's their duty. So that's why we really find that when there's ownership in grassroots level to central level, it's really becoming an effective model. And really government is helping us and especially we have signed an MU with government that they said that now we have money to fund for the COVID returnees. So how can Black help us? And we really find government is very much supported. Yes, whenever in 2017, Bangladesh government signed the MU with European that the people will come back from Europe will 
help for the reintegration. But still now there is a lot of misunderstanding that are they coming back, how many of the numbers. But now I think that the, as we are service delivering, so really uh, government now understand they are very much positive on the whole reintegration process. But one thing is that I will again say that's the ownership. If it's a donor funded projects, if you think that the, all the things will be done, the donors, we're really closely working with European Union and also with Erie Indigenous and others. We never see that what the funding is. We have developed and comprehensive that. If there is fund or not, we'll spend from BRAC's fund for the regional psychosocial counseling, for the social reintegration or economic reintegration. If we don't do it in sustainable reintegration model, if we don't look after the whole package, whole approaches, then the returnees will say that will again remigrate. So that's another challenges. So we really believe that so we have to train the government people so that they can also understand the importance. And if you can really make an ownership from the government, from grassroots level, central level, it has a solution. And we'll be happy with the develop model. We have developed on reintegration on BRAC's model. We are very much happy to share it to all uh, countries, third countries and others like Afghanistan and Pakistan, because we believe that the way we are working, this model will help each countries for the sustainable reintegrations and we'll really want to share our uh, experience to others. Thank you, Camille. Thank you for this perspective um, on the linkages of, of your work with the government and stressing, I think, the, the role of local authorities, um, but also what you said earlier about the fact that uh, as part of this reintegration process, the social uh, dimension is, is very important. Um, so now, finally, I'll turn to Ali Bellage, who's a researcher, has a wealth of experience um, region and reintegration. Um, and here, with our apologies for this last minute's change, um, but Ali would prefer to do his remarks in French, and we were unable to secure an interpreter. So you will see a summary of each translated remarks on the screen. Um, and following his remark, we'll turn to Q&A. So I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that you can submit your question in the Q&A uh, box at the bottom of your screen. So Ali, um, I want to ask you about um, the Tunisian experience. So Tunisian authorities um, have played a key role on, on voluntary reach and reintegration in the past few years. They've developed their own system, uh, Tunisna. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the motivation for the Tunisian government to be to be more active on this on this specific topic. Merci Camille, bonjour, bonjour à tout le monde. Euh, je suis très heureux d'être parmi vous. Je remercie l'Impi de m'avoir convié à cet événement. Et je suis vraiment navré de ne pas pouvoir partager cette facilité de m'exprimer en, en anglais. Voilà, donc en réponse à votre question, euh, j'aimerais bien souligner au départ que la question du retour des migrants tunisiens de l'étranger a été abordée par les autorités publiques tunisiennes depuis le milieu des années 70 comme une composante du cycle migratoire. Euh, cette vision a donné lieu à la mise en place d'instruments et de mesures essentiellement d'ordre fiscal euh, pour encourager les premières générations d'immigrés tunisiens à retourner dans le pays. Sur le plan institutionnel, même si quelques organismes ont été chargés des missions d'accompagnement social des migrants à l'occasion de leur retour, l'absence de programmes ciblés a atténué l'efficacité de leur action. Alors aujourd'hui, les changements des profils et des formes de migration ont introduit une révision de l'approche, voire du paradigme par lequel le gouvernement tunisien aborde cette question de retour des migrants à travers la mise en place d'un dispositif institutionnel, Tunesna, avec l'appui d'organismes internationaux partenaires. 
Alors, pour ce qui est des motivations sous-jacentes à ce choix, on peut considérer qu'elles sont multiples. On peut évoquer des raisons politiques dans le sens qu'il se profile derrière ce choix, une réponse politique de la Tunisie aux demandes formulées par ce partenaire européen concernant la coopération en matière de migration et de mobilité des personnes, aussi bien au niveau multilatéral que bilatéral. Des raisons sociales animent également cette orientation quand on sait que le retour concerne essentiellement des sujets dont la vulnérabilité économique et sociale alimente une variété de besoins, accès aux soins, à l'éducation, au logement, à l'emploi, ce qui interpelle les pouvoirs publics à y répondre. L'aspect économique est en corollaire du social et donc il est ainsi évident que les motivations de cette nature soit derrière le choix des politiques tunisiennes en matière de retour des migrants. En effet, avec un taux de chômage qui avoisine 18% de sa population, la Tunisie ne souhaite pas faire des migrants de retour une charge supplémentaire qui vient augmenter la proportion des demandeurs d'emploi. Finalement, il n'est pas exclu pour que des raisons sécuritaires soient aussi derrière cette orientation. Une partie des migrants de retour comporte des sujets versés dans plusieurs formes de délinquance. Leur prise en charge à travers les dispositifs actuels va permettre quand même une forme de réhabilitation économique, sociale et psychologique, les éloignant du spectre du récidive en l'absence de, de, de réponses appropriées. Thank you. Thank you, Hailey. Um, I have another question for, for you. So you've been a social attaché at the Embassy of Tunisia in Belgium um, and then at the head of the National Observatory on Migration. And you've done a lot of work on region and reintegration. Um, from your perspective, what are the limitations on the existing voluntary region and reintegration mechanisms? And what are concrete areas where progress could be made to improve the support provided to returnees uh, from what you've seen in Tunisia? Oui, je pense que cette question a été un peu abordée par mes collègues qui m'ont précédé et pour ce qui est des, des, des limites des dispositifs actuels et malgré l'intérêt qu'ils comportent, je considère qu'il existe quatre handicaps majeurs. Euh, premièrement, le, le surdimension de la composante financière au détriment d'autres dimensions d'ordre social et psychologique parce que le fait de continuer à considérer que la décision de retour peut être motivée uniquement par le fait de saisir l'opportunité de disposer d'une somme d'argent est tout à fait réducteur, à mon sens, de la complexité du phénomène et ne va pas permettre de mener des projets viables. Deuxième handicap, le manque de préparation des candidats avant leur départ constitue également une limite non négligeable. Euh, en effet, le clonage de projets proposés aux migrants de retour, peu importe leur profil, euh, donnant lieu à des taux élevés de projets euh, qui ont échoué, euh, témoigne de ce manque de, de, de préparation. Euh, troisième limite, euh, le manque de coordination, ça a été soulevé euh, entre plusieurs acteurs, je dirais même entre les pays européens eux-mêmes, entre les pays et la Tunisie, entre les acteurs institutionnels tunisiens eux-mêmes, entre les agences chargées de mettre en œuvre les projets. En tout cas, tout cela me limite 
l'efficacité dévolue au programme mis en place. Finalement, j'aimerais insister sur aussi la lourdeur administrative constatée dans certains projets. En effet, l'existence d'un décalage entre les attentes des candidats au retour et le rythme de traitement administratif de leurs demandes au projet discrédite quelque part la raison d'être des, des dispositifs mis en place. Euh, alors pour ce qui est des opportunités, je me limiterai à insister sur la nécessité de, de l'existence d'une vision partagée entre les différents acteurs de cette question de retour. Euh, ça a été parfaitement souligné précédemment et je me rejoins un peu à, à, à cette vision pour dire qu'il est prim, vraiment primordial que toutes les parties prenantes puissent identifier une forme de socle commun de leurs intérêts respectifs. Des mécanismes peuvent contribuer significativement à la, à la formulation de cette vision partagée. La multiplication et la diversification des formes de dialogue formelles et informelles entre les acteurs appelés à, à concrétiser ou bien qui peut être appuyé euh, ou concrétisés par des projets porteurs. Euh, à ce titre, et pour conclure, il est primordial de, de préciser que le dispositif, l'actuel dispositif Tunisna, qui a vu le jour depuis 2019 dans le cadre du projet Progress Migration, a bénéficié d'un premier balisage effectué dans le cadre du projet LEMA de 2016-2018, dont un des produits était l'élaboration d'une cartographie des acteurs impliqués dans la migration de l'autre. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ali. Um, I think that, um, that, that concludes our, our discussion. Um, and thank you for this perspective on, yes, this point for the need on the one hand to identify this common objective, but also to build on, on this project um, like Progress Now, Lemma in the Past, um, that help in a way to socialize um, and have help, I think, to socialize some of these uh, actors on working together uh, on this question. I will now open the floor to Q for Q&A. Um, so please type any question you have in the Q&A chat box or email them to events at migrationpolicy.org. Uh, you can also tweet them at migrationpolicy or, or hashtag MPI discuss. Um, I'll, have, I'll start with the first question um, for Mr. Gagliardi. Um, so I have two questions for you. The first one is uh, on the role of Frontex. So the strategy promotes a stronger link between reintegration and development, um, but also foresee um, a bigger role for, for Frontex, while the agency has also been um, in, you know, in the headlines recently due to some um, reported pushback operation. Um, what do you do, what do you make of, um, of this uh, situation? Like, is there a risk that um, the commission, that, that Frontex could not be seen as a neutral actor by partner countries? Um, and how to ensure that um, Frontex is active while also we have this link between reintegration and development um, in, in force. So that's, um, that's the first question. And we had a second question on, um, on voluntary return. Um, what, could you expand a bit more on um, you know, what the notion of voluntary return entail? Who are the targeted, um, who are the target population uh, for, this, uh, for this strategy? and um, for these activities, there's reintegration activities. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you, Camille, and thank you also for, for the very interesting presentations and the observations of the other panelists uh, were very, very useful and they will enrich our thinking uh, in the implementation of the strategy. Um, and thanks also to, um, to, to, to the participants for, for their questions. So I will start uh, giving some, uh, some, some views <clears throat> in relation to these questions, starting with Frontex. I mean, Frontex uh, has in its new mandate, well, relatively new now, uh, also a role on uh, post-return assistance and reintegration. So it is uh, a decision of the EU legislator to empower this agency with uh, such role. And of course, we totally agree, uh, and it cannot be otherwise, that in the implementation of any of its activities, the agency must ensure the European standards of the respect of fundamental rights, which are very high in all the uh, in all respects. So moving to the strategy as such, Frontex has an important role, but um, it's not that they are the only or the primary actor in the context of voluntary return and reintegration. We do see an increasing role that is reflected in their mandates. We do see a potential for Frontex to further develop their activities, and we want them to do that. But uh, we are not, uh, let's say, entrusting the implementation of the overall strategy on voluntary return and reintegration and all of the activities to the agency, uh, so to Frontex. However, we do recognize, and we are very happy, that Frontex is increasingly becoming uh, more and more present in the field of voluntary returns, that the operations that it carries out are increasingly more voluntary returns than forced returns, and we uh, are supporting them uh, so that this becomes even more the case in the future. And we also see the importance uh, of the, for instance, the pilot that has been launched these, these months for the joint reintegration services in order to start being a real proper actor together with service providers in third countries in the field of reintegration. We understand that there may be uh, political concerns uh, in, third count in, in, yeah, in third countries for the alleged role and of Frontex in, in, in pushbacks and in other activities uh, that are uh, related uh, to the management of the external border. But this is also a question of building trust uh, with partner countries in our migration dialogue and to let them understand in a more clear and transparent way what is also the added value that the involvement of Frontex can bring. If I move then to the second question, which if I understand correctly, it is about the nature of voluntary departure from the EU and its voluntary aspect as such. Um, so I want to be clear also on this point, indirectly replying also to other uh, questions raised in the, in the chat box, our strategy primarily targets the situation of migrants who are in the EU, of people who are in the EU, without being allowed to be in the EU. So we are not talking about the voluntary return or repatriation of a person who has been working with a working permit or a residence permit in the EU back in, in his own country, but we are talking about people who are not entitled to stay in the EU and who are to return to their country of origin. Now, as you, as you may know, 
the EU has a legal system based on the return directive, which requires that uh, precedence should be given to voluntary return and a period of voluntary departure for organizing the actual departure from the EU should be given to the, 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 the person concerned. We are, however, uh, aware that the system as such is far too basic. We need to uh, improve further the opportunity for the individuals, first of all, to know about the opportunities of, voluntary, of assisted voluntary departure and reintegration. And also we have to improve the capacity of member states to set up national programs for assisted voluntary return and reintegration. This is, the second one has been, for instance, the object of a legislative proposal that the Commission presented in 2018, which foresees that, for instance, every member state must, as an obligation, set up assisted voluntary return programs. But there is also, of course, the work that we are doing, and it is also encompassed in our proposal, on improving counselling. Counselling is essential from our perspective in order to increase the uptake of voluntary returns and assisted voluntary return by, and reintegration, of course, by the individuals who are concerned. If they don't know, if they are not objectively and uh, yeah, objectively informed about the opportunities that they have, of course, they cannot subscribe to such, um, to such program. So we are really investing as part of our work, together also with Frontex, uh, in the development of curricula for return specialists and for counselling in order to improve this aspect of our national systems. I hope it replies to the questions. Thank you very much, Mauro, um, for this uh, for these answers. I'll um, move to um, to Sandra with, with two questions um, for you on the BMZ side. Um, one on the coordination uh, with other EU member states. I think that's a point that um, several panelists have highlighted today: the need for better coordination between EU countries um, on their program. Can you tell us, you know, from your perspective? Um, what has Germany done, how you see it moving forward, uh, and how you see the role, the added value of this strategy in this regard. Um, and another question on um, on the way, um, the, so right now, sorry, on the, um, the, the how return and reintegration can also benefit uh, labor migrants who are part of circular migration. So um, several uh, participants have mentioned some of the Germany program, training program um, that then allow people to come to Germany for work. Um, do your program also benefit these people? Do you see um, this as a gap? Um, yes. Thank you. I think um, the question raised um, on the Filipino nurses is a really interesting one. But um, as a government employee, I'm going beyond um, my ministry's responsibilities and towards um, our labor ministry. Um, the Triple Win program is indeed a program um, Germany has set up um, for specialists in certain areas where we have shortages in um, workforce. And um, the Philippines are indeed not a partner country of um, returning to new opportunities um, for varying reasons. Um, one is that um, the Philippine nurse that comes to Germany, um, we expect her 
to stay if she wants, because um, the issue of labor shortage, especially with um, nurses and people taking care of the elderly, um, it's not going to go anywhere in the near future. It's going to um, increase, actually. So um, we've had experience with people coming, um, coming to find work to Germany and as weird as it sounds, if we um, hear this now, there's this one quote, I don't know who said it, but um, this person said, we called laborers and people came or humans came. So um, we went through a learning process and the Filipino nurse, um, she will get intense German classes. She will be supported in her integration. And then if she chooses to leave, um, there's this um, idea that she has enough money to fund her own flight. So maybe she's not um, part of our exact target group um, for voluntary returnees. And if she chooses to leave when she retires, then she can live off her pension she's earned while working in Germany. Um, so, but we are working now in 12 partner countries and this is not um, a set number. We are working on um, opening a 13th um, advice center in a different country. And um, we just see how it goes. So um, this is not the end of the story, but um, Philippines labor market, um, labor employees from the Philippines would not be our main um, target group. And, um, but I, I, I lost so many words because I like the question. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Sorry for taking so long. Um, so on your second question, the European Union strategy, um, I've already said that for us, it seems like a great opportunity to, um, to get EU member states um, to work closer together on sustainable return and reintegration. And this um, comes with a set of questions, of course, because um, up to now, there's no common definition of sustainable return or reintegration. And um, hopefully through this joint European approach, we can find a common understanding and develop um, a certain understanding. And um, also the strategy could lead to a pooling of resources and um, we could more efficiently use our national programs, exchange expertise, best practices, um, and possibly, even though I know this is always an issue, um, exchange um, beneficiary data. So this would allow um, diverse actors in the field of reintegration and return to better interlink their services and avoid double structures. So the three Cs. Um, and last but not least, if we find a common ground, which I think the strategy has um, already um, done a lot of work on this, and if we manage to bundle our resources and expertise, then um, this would, of course, also benefit the individuals, the voluntary returnees, and the persons that um, returned home and now look for reintegration support. 
Thank you very much, Sandra. Um, we have time for a few more questions, so I'll just direct one to Sandra and then Moro, um, I have a few questions for you. Um, Sheriful, could, could you tell us a bit about the data that is collected about um, the number of returnees and the reintegration assistance they have access to? Um, that's something you briefly mentioned in your presentation. Um, if you could elaborate a bit more on, you know, in Bangladesh, how uh, BRAC collect this information and uh, what you, you know, how you analyze it. Thank you, Camille. That's one of the major challenges that we don't get really the data that how many of the returnees are coming from which countries. Most of the time, whenever the charter flight come that we just well, go to the airport and collect it. But the last four years, we have got less than six charter flights, but we have uh, identified more than nearly 2,000 returnees. So that is a really challenging that not, there is not a central database system that who are coming wherever you can get this. So what BRAC can do that we have offices in every part of Bangladesh. We have our staffs or offices in each villages. So that's why we have uh, asked the whole country that if there is a EU returnees, you can get uh, these benefits. And this is the things uh, you can get. You can get free counseling. We can help you for your reintegration. And as we have involved other community members, especially the local representative, others and government officials. So we never know that these facilities are there. Then people automatically communicate come to our BRAC office and that really helps us. And that's why most of the returnees are identified with the BRAC grassroots level. And at the same time, non-EU returnees, so if you see the government or other returnees, they don't have the database of non-EU returnees. We have already identified nearly 35,000 non-EU returnees. And that is our volunteers are going door to door because whenever the returnees come, most of the time the other people are don't know this. It is really tough to get EU returnees. Because as the EU returnees are very less and we don't know that they're coming. So most of the times we get returnees from other countries, other non-EU countries like from Middle East and other countries. Then the problem arises when in a village they hear that there is a funding of EU for EU returnees. Then most of the time local governments and even the central government secretary and minister blame us that why is the projects only for EU returnees? Because government said that most of our returnees are coming from Middle East countries and others, and you are doing only a project for EU returnees. Then we have to make them understand that as it's the EU funding project, so that's the EU mandate. So though it's the EU funding services, but the model we are developing, the way we are de developing is really can help to the other returnees. And now the government understand the importance and they really help us. But one of the good things I can hear though, the, the second phase, you already uh, inform us that they are thinking as the government or other pressuring. So they are thinking for other non-EU returnees so that they can get supported. I think that will really be a good thing that uh, to make a harmonized process that of course you will be the priority, but if you can really, really can make an harmonized process that who is the vulnerable, we can really support him. Then that will happen these vulnerable people who is returning from Oman will not go to again to any EU countries for another item. That will really help us, Camilla. And I think that that's really important that how you collect this database. And that is possible for BRAC, that's a big organization, but I think it's really tough for other organizations. So that's why if you can develop a central database that wherever we can get the data from which countries who are going, that will really help us. And another is counseling. Psychosocial counseling after return and before return. This counseling can really change the mindset. Most of the things that we face is the returnees who are coming back, most of the time he doesn't know that he's coming. After arrival in airport, he even doesn't believe that he has returned. 
so if this really council can help us we can do it from here that how we can connect uh, and if whenever i will do it in my own language then he will really believe that yes uh, i will get something and i will go back so we will be ha- very much happy to help in we are discussing with special germany because most of the returns are coming from germany so we have also uh, discussed with some german student that how they will go, go to this german returns to make them understand i think if we can really help this processes then I, i think it will be really helpful for all of us thank you kevin Thank you very much Ariful and and I think on this return uh, on this return counseling question I'll, I'll move to Moro um we still question like the one that was raised um by some participant on whether Frontex will be involved in this return counseling um in you know in Europe uh, what what role you envision for Frontex in that areas um and if you can say a few words also of funding for the strategy so um what are going to be the source of funding for the different activities for cs um and if you can provide a bit more details uh, on coordination between the different uh, envelope that um that will be made available yes thank you on the counseling uh, what we envisage at this stage but of course this is also work in progress so there is no firm answer that could be provided now is that with the development of a return curriculum uh, for return counselors and also specifically for voluntary return reintegration uh, frontex will first of all uh, can first of all provide training uh, harmonized training to the to to counselors so, um, so that all member states are based uh, can be trained on the common curriculum but of course it's not that frontex should have a monopoly of the training but for sure it can help um raising the quality standards of the training and make sure that this is consistent although we need to take into account that we are 27 eu member states and there are indeed 27 different systems so there is also a limit to what can be harmonized in terms of counseling because the procedures in member states are different we don't necessarily envisage as such that frontex will do the counseling itself in the member states instead of the national authorities for this purpose but as you know frontex uh, can if required by uh, eu member states uh, and if necessary deploy a member of its standing core who can also work in the area of voluntary return and this may mean that some of those will act i don't know as trainer for return counseling uh, multiplicator for return counseling or return counselors themselves moving to the uh, question on funding i would say the billion dollar question so there are uh, indeed different strands of uh, financing that uh, will contribute to the implementation of the strategy the first one um, it's the asylum migration and integration fund for 2021-2027 which of course uh, building on the previous uh, e- equivalent uh, funding will uh, allow to provide support for um, returning migrants from the eu assisted voluntary return programs reintegration reintegration packages initial reintegration and pre post return assistance in the countries of destination but then of course there is there are other 
uh, instruments as well that will also complement the uh, migration uh, related funds uh, and we are talking about let me read the name uh, because it's complicated is the neighborhood development and international cooperation instrument uh, so-called global europe uh, and also the so-called instrument for pre-accession assistant ipa uh, here we are talking about um, another amount a different amount of money um, you may know that for this global Europe, out of the 79.5 billion that have been agreed by the EU legislator, uh, there is an indicative 10% to be dedicated to migration, forced displacement, root causes, among which reintegration. So it's not 10% of this 79 billion for reintegration, but for a panoply of activities that involve reintegration and voluntary return and this will complement the uh, asylum migration and integration fund when it comes to the return of migrants from the eu to partner countries but also uh, and very importantly the other activities in which the eu is engaged which is the support of voluntary returns and reintegration from partner countries to partner countries like this has been the case in several uh, for several projects like the Protasha uh, project for Bangladesh or now the, the name escapes me but an equivalent project in Afghanistan or other projects in Africa. Thank you very much um, and I'm afraid we'll we'll have to close now I mean I, I would want to thank again our four panelists um, and the very active audience and I apologize in advance for the question we did not have time to address um, the audio will be available on the event website tomorrow. Um, and I'd like to remind, so this new policy brief we're releasing today um, on a roadmap to better cooperation with migrant countries of origin on voluntary return and reintegration. Um, and thank you all for, for your attention today.